Hey everyone, welcome back to Admitted on the Classic Podcast. It's been quite a while, but we're glad to be back with you all today. We don't have video, but you know, we have adapted, we're resilient, and we're going out with an audio episode today. But next time, you'll definitely see us back again on the screen. Um, so as a recap here on Admitted, we invite Townsend Harris seniors to read the personal essays that got them into their dream colleges. We're your host, Jasmine. And I'm Jana. For today's episode, we're going to listen to how Origami got Joel into his dream school. Hi, Joel. How are you doing today? I'm great. Um, so, yeah. I uh, applied to a bunch of schools uh, in December. Uh, I got uh, deferred from what had been my dream school for about two years uh, at that point, uh, Duke. And then, you know, I was forced to reconsider options and uh, I ended up applying to a bunch of schools. Uh, I applied to Hunter, Macaulay, Swarthmore, uh, Duke again, um, uh, Columbia, Yale, Princeton, Brown, and uh, Northeastern, and Emory. Um, and uh, yeah, and my intended major was philosophy. Where did you commit? I, co- I committed to Princeton. Amazing. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show and go Tigers. Um, so you answered the first prompt on the common application, which asks some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful, they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, then please share your story. Okay, so. Go ahead, yeah. On my first day of kindergarten, I already couldn't keep up. While folding origami, some children managed paper planes and boats while others fashioned cutesy animals. Meanwhile, I grew frustrated at my inability to craft anything, a frustration my father sensed when he picked me up. He consoled me and transformed my crumpled, tear-stained mess into a magnificent swan. I marveled at the adeptness of his hand, so much so that I later took to calling him Hephaestus, the god of blacksmithing, an apt uh, sobriquet for a mechanical engineer. While my father often took solace in working with his hands, I instead often retreated into a life of the mind. He and I share the same name, a fact I proudly point out to everyone. After all, he has always been the blueprint for the person I'd like to be one day. Whenever something broke around the house, we seldom called over a repairman because Hephaestus was already working on it. When the remote-controlled toy car my nine-year-old self was gifted for Christmas stopped working, he spent several Saturday mornings restoring it. Whether it was a heartbreak, a loved one's passing, or a rough test, he'd always be there for me, ready to recount his own experiences, to save me from whatever pit of despondency I had fallen into. Years ago, the works of the Stoics and Buddhists softened my brother's passing and changed changed me profoundly. The writings of Epictetus and Seneca taught me to train my emotions and recognize our place in the universe, while Buddhist discourses emphasized the the vital role desires played in our suffering. Before long, however... I moved past striving to uh, endure and accept the world's vicissitudes and on to investigating fundamental questions of truth, existence, and value. The expectation for me was to become an engineer, too, but guilt settled in the pit of my stomach when I thought of having to tell my father it wasn't the right path for me. My father's characteristic patient tone fell away at the dinner table when I broached the topic. I work myself to the bone to keep this house clothed and fed, to support your education, but you'd rather throw it all away for some dusty books. I turned to mom for warm reassurance. Instead, she nodded and added, what your father means is, we know you'd always succeed in whatever you'd apply yourself to. We just never first saw something so impractical. 
My father chimed in, that's just what the world needs right now. More philosophy professors. I don't know why, but I'm sure you'll think of something. Sensing my heart twist into knots, he opened his mouth to retract the sardonic remark. I thought about the calluses and scratches on his hands and the pain in his joints, the unwanted weeds of his labor and sacrifice. Though skilled at his vocation, he confided to me once that it had afforded him little joy, as he had envisioned being a veterinarian, which didn't pay well back home. By working instead at a stable, traditional job he detests to send me to college and more, he sacrificed his fulfillment so we'd be better off. How was I expected to one day give back to my father what he had given me? Should practicality or fulfillment dictate vocation? I was no stranger to studying ethical dilemmas, but one had never felt so personal. After a long week of avoidance, my father nudged my door open, expecting to find me buried in Kant or Camus. Instead, I sat at the foot of my bed, replaying last week's argument for the thousandth time. He sat beside me and saw in my eyes that I was ready to mount another defense of my aspirations. Without a word, he sung his arm over me in serene silence, a tacit acceptance of the destiny I chose for myself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joel. Um, so you've beautifully crafted so many different thematic elements, including like this divide between passion and practicality, as well as living up to parental expectations into like one cohesive essay through origami. Um, it works so great and it keeps the reader engaged throughout. Um, so one of the central aspects of your essay is your relationship with your father, who you call Hephaestos. Um, why did you feel he was the best link to discussing your identity? Um, I think he was the best link to discuss my identity because he's sort of like a foil character in certain ways, but also we're very similar. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in the essay was that we share the same name and we share a lot more than that. We, you know, he plays the bass. He taught me how to play the drums. Uh, you know, he played, uh, he taught me how to play um, guitar and we share that, you know, passion for music. We also, you know, really enjoy, for example, the sport of boxing and we have similar tastes in movies except for the fact that he doesn't know much about marvel movies which sucks um but and yeah so we, we share a lot of things but we also uh, are foils in many ways um obviously the crux of this essay is about him being good at uh with his hands because he's an engineer and he can pretty much fix a lot of things whereas i would fumble with trying to like untangle a necklace or I don't know, a charger. Um, so I think that contrast was really, I don't know, was really interesting to explore. And I guess that's why he felt like the best link to uh, discussing my identity as a, as uh, someone who wants to be a scholar, someone who likes philosophizing, who, like, as I, I think I phrased, um, retreating into the life of the mind, um, as opposed to, you know, working with my hands or building something. Yeah, definitely. I'm um, building on like that apparent dichotomy that you build of mind versus like manual physicality that you embed into your father son relationship. You like you mentioned, you share the same name and you're very close, but like that sets a distance between the two of you, especially considering things like generational differences. Uh, so could you go into more detail with your relationship with your dad and how you um, set that as a backdrop to going into other avenues of, you know, of, of yourself as a person? Because, you know, you think, talked about things like philosophy um, and just like your background in general, and, like from a family perspective. So could you elaborate on that? Um, sure. I mean, you know, he's he's a wonderful father. He is the reason why I hold many of the values that I do today. But then obviously there is there was uh, tension with regards to what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to pursue. 
uh, post high school. Uh, for the longest time, uh, it was expected of me to um, become an engineer. And that was primarily because uh, I am, you know, uh, I would say proficient, uh, you know, in mathematics and science. And, and they always applauded me for, I guess, academic achievement uh, in, in the STEM field. And so it was, you know, I didn't really like speak up against, you know, what I was doing most of the time, which was reading philosophy in my, uh, uh, in my room. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, before the application process started, before I had to start writing the essay, I also had to, uh, you know, confront them about it, you know, about my interest in philosophy. Um, I mean, I took college now classes, you know, in philosophy, you know, before my senior year and, you know, they, they were slightly confused about that. You know, they, they, they asked me like, why didn't you take like, you know, like a, an advanced math class or something else or, um, but in terms of my relationship with my dad specifically, I was uh, quite anxious about what he would say, right? Because philosophy, for the most part, is viewed is widely considered, uh, you know, useless or impractical beyond the ivory towers of academia. But I think there is, I think there is deep practical significance in that you could apply it to anything, whether that's coping with uh, certain events in your life or you know examining. Uh, various issues at at the core, right? Because that's that's what philosophy is. It's sort of like a you could apply it to anything. Uh, again, I feel like I'm straying away from the question, but my so as I mentioned in the essay, my father actually wanted to become a veter veterinarian at, at my age, um, and his father wanted him to, ironically enough, to to become an engineer, and he sort of um, he sort of gave in. He you know abandoned. Uh, his dreams of becoming a veterinarian, uh, mostly because in the Philippines, strangely enough, it costs a lot more uh, school in terms of schooling to become a veterinarian than it was to become an engineer. And that's the primary reason um, that, you know, my grandfather really wanted him to become an engineer instead because it was cheaper and, you know, easier for the family at the time to handle. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was faced with the same choice and, uh, you know, he it took him a while to sort of adjust to that. And he had to obviously consider that he had gone through the same thing, but made a different choice with his dad. Um, but yeah, I think I think it all worked out. Yeah, definitely. So you started your essay with your struggles with the origami folds, which was a moment of anxiety and defeat for you. So why did you decide to start your essay off this way? I mean, I feel like for most college essays to be very technical here, you have to start in a very quirky way. Um, and I tried to find memories that were very unique and compelling. And I think there's there, I think it's very weird and quirky and compelling to start with something like uh, childhood trauma, <laughs> um, you know, because that was one of the, like when I think back now, so what, like when I, you know, obviously I could get better with working with my hands, right? Because that's, you know, uh, you're trying to better yourself um, in comparison to who you were uh, the day before and so forth. But like one of the first times I recognized that I was like really bad with my hands was uh, was in that class when other kids were, really, you know, forming these uh, elaborate structures with paper and I just couldn't and I cried and my teacher tried to console me. And so... Uh, it was just something that I remember up to this day, and 
you know, I tell people that anecdote when it comes to like explaining why, uh, you know, I'm bad at uh, manual things. Um, but yeah, I decided to start that off because it was, it was unique, compelling, and it was quirky. I think that uh, most uh, successful essays, right, in the context of college applications, have to have to be vivid and memorable. Definitely. Um, as the trackies join the audio um, recording outside, we'll move on to the next question. So um, you already kind of talked about this. So a prominent topic in your essay is grappling with family expectations and pursuing what you're really passionate about. I feel like a lot of people, you know, who have parents and especially in terms of like social mobility, um, a lot of parents put the onus on the child to vocationally go to something far beyond what they believe is like in the family's best interest. Um, so you called your voca uh, vocational anxiety an ethical dilemma that had never felt so personal. And that was such a great bridging point in tying in your uh, theme of just um, dealing with this anxiety of like choosing philosophy and how that would be um, uh, handled by your parents. And at the same time, just making out a space for yourself as um, finding your own niche. Um, so if you could talk about more of that vocational anxiety um, and how you incorporate that into your essay. Sure. I think that um, one widely held uh, cultural assumption within our generation is that you should follow your passion no matter what. Um, but I don't really believe in that completely. I think it really depends from person to person. There are kids from certain backgrounds who, uh, I mean, you know, in, in, in the cost-benefit analysis of it all, uh, also have to consider, like, not only what they want to do, but what, what they're good at, what, what they're good at in the context of, like, what will support um, their family. Because I do, you know, I'm very family-oriented, and uh, I think also many children of immigrants are. And so I think there are, there exists, uh, you know, obligations to your family. And that's something that you have to to balance with all of this stuff that you're being uh, told about following your passion, following your heart, no matter what. Um, yeah, I called it an ethical dilemma because, you know, I had my entire family basically pressure, not pressuring me, but they all had this enormous expectation for me to be an engineer, right? Because that's because that's what my father was and that's what's considered, uh, you know, a success story. And I mean, yeah, it takes, I would say it takes a lot of courage and patience to sort of, you know, because you have to, you have to sit down and think about how to best articulate this to your family, right? You don't want to be harsh. You don't want to, you know, because, because there is a deep, profound sense of fulfillment that parents get when, they, when their kids conform to their vision of success because, you know, it feels like they've done their job, right? But, you know, um, yeah, I guess it's it's a balancing act. And, you know, I wouldn't say, like, it depends from person to person. As I said, there are people who should really consider, you know, like what it is that you're good at, what you're able to contribute to your fi family's finances and um, you know, in those precarious situations, you know, you shouldn't like, like your passion shouldn't play as big a role, but yeah, it, it varies for everyone. I definitely felt that like considering I've planned on like usual, I was considering academia <laughs> and the job market for that is not very good. Um, but you know, that's, there's time to worry about majors in the future, you know, and actual jobs. Anyway, 
moving on. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. That's a problem. We already passed the hurdle of getting into college. The next 40 years of my life, you know, of our lives, that's that's a that's an issue for another time. Anyway, um, oh yeah. Yeah, up to you. Okay, so <laughs> what challenges did you come across while drafting your essay? Was this topic something you knew you wanted to focus on from the start? Yeah, I mean, definitely concision. For me, at least, uh, what ends up happening when I'm writing anything, whether that's a college essay or an essay for a high school, for, you know, an AP... Uh, a for... page journal for humanities. Okay, okay. You do not have to call me out on that. <laughs> what I end up doing is I write a lot and then I have to cut it down. So definitely concision. There were certain parts that I had to take out. For example, um, I think... In one of my earlier drafts, I talked about Socrates. Um, you know, he's a big figure in philosophy. And what ended up happening, as probably viewers uh, already know if they're interested in philosophy, is that, uh, you know, Socrates was condemned uh, to death by the state. You know, they gave him an option to, you know, sort of renounce the things that he was telling the, the Athenian youth, but he did not. And, you know, he decided to go through with the sentence and and stick with what he knew to be the truth, right? Because he got in trouble for speaking uh, truth to power, right? So supposedly corrupting the, the youth of Athens with, you know, like embarrassing public officials, embarrassing, you know, powerful people in society by showing them how ignorant they were. And basically he was defending philosophy with his life. And um, I remember having to take out a part about uh, a Socrates poster, uh, a Socrates painting, a very famous painting about Socrates sipping the hemlock, and I had to take that out, uh, despite um, how much I, you know, how much time and energy I invested in writing that part. Other challenges were just making it sound better. So I went to a lot of different people for feedback. I, the one of the first people that I, you know, worked with, was actually an alumnus from from the school. His name is Keegan Valbuena. He graduated Townsend 10 years ago. And uh, he was just a connection that I made on LinkedIn and or, or, or Instagram, something like that. And he was he was willing to help me with my college essay. And yeah, he was very helpful. He's, uh, I think, pursuing a PhD at Princeton for the class for, for classics. He also graduated from Columbia. And um, he helped me work out through, I guess, the, the beginning of my essay and the structure. So I owe a lot of that to him. Uh, in terms of like editing it and making it sound not better, but like, I don't know. I, I guess better is the best way to describe it. I worked extensively with uh, Miss Chung, who um, I'm very thankful for, and also Professor Kalusho. So basically my humanities um, teachers. Um, I remember, you know, Miss Chung and I sitting with like uh, my, you know, a copy of my draft and we were just trying to get the word count down and and she also was uh, an inspiration when it came to how I ended the essay, right? Because the ending is, is very important. And there were other endings that I had, but they just weren't good. And yeah, Ms. Chung helped me realize that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, college essays go through a lot of phases. And you just have to keep that in mind because the first one that you write might just be you spurting out ideas. And it takes a lot. It's a process of refinement. is a lengthy one. But, you know. It's rewarding in the end. Yeah, definitely. I know um, a lot of kids in my grade as the year closes, we're all starting to brainstorm our college essay ideas. So what's some advice that you would give to current students such as myself who are beginning the college application writing process? 
Um, like I said, I got a lot of help uh, on mine. When you're writing it, you it's like it's very different when you're looking at it from the outside, and you know it's a very that's a glaringly obvious thing. But you know, yeah, I guess the advice is to get as many eyes on it as possible, and you have to balance which perspectives you trust more, right? Because there were certain um, you know, I went to a lot of people and there were certain things that I ignored and there were certain things that uh, uh, I accepted, right, as as a, as a suggestion. And sometimes these people clash, right? So these people have different conceptions of what a good college essay should be. Um, but ultimately, you're the executive. You, It's your essay. It's your, uh, no pressure. It's, it's, your, it's, you know, it's your college decision ultimately. So you have to, I guess, you have to choose which, which, you know, person you want to listen to when it comes to a certain aspect of your essay, whether that's the topic or, you know, how much time or how much space you devote to uh, a specific part of your story. Um, and then other, the other piece of advice is to read as many uh, common apps as possible um, from previous years. I think that really helps because for me, I read a lot of, um, and this also works for supplements. I read a lot of common apps before. Uh, writing mine and you have to sort of get in, it's very hard for me to describe it um, articulately but you have to get into like a certain mindset they these essays are written in a very specific way that I can't like encapsulate uh, in this podcast but uh, the only way the only thing that I can say is that that mindset uh, appears when you have read a lot of them um, yeah and it's the same way you know like when you read a lot of a certain author you not not that you begin to write like them, but you recognize patterns in the writing, and you can choose to apply them. So it's the same with, with college essays. I say write like read a lot of them before you start writing your own. Definitely. I mean, I think that uh, especially with like reading and going through the entire process myself, I also looked at a lot of referencings, and you start to notice that common apps have it's not formulaic because I feel like every single common yes. app has its own unique little thing um but that uniqueness and how it's structured and just how genuine it is and how much of it's it's a common app personal essay it's a personal statement and you invest so much and you put yourself on paper of course you have it you have you're given the creative liberty to really show who you are uh, as authentically as you can and of course your peer review is obviously amazing um but don't worry about it being extravagantly um impressive or in any way as long as it's true to who you are simplicity is often the best way to go so yeah so that concludes today's episodes on how origami got joel into his dream school thank you again joel for sharing your essay and thank you to all of our listeners out there you can listen uh, to admitted on spotify and apple Podcasts, as well as on the classics youtube channel the classic tv this episode won't have the video components due to uh some unfortunate technical difficulties um, but we will be back um, soon enough with actual TV footage. Uh, you can look at our picture with the mugs and everything um, if you're looking at us at YouTube. But um, you can also check the classic out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at TTHS Classic. You can also find our website on TTHSClassic.com. Make sure to check us out on all those. And so that's all for today. Hope you had a nice listen and we'll see you next time for our next episode on Admitted. Thank you. Mm-hmm.